across South Africa, online and on radio. SAFM, let's talk. Okay, so the lines are open for our conversation with uh, Dr. Antoinette Kuhn, who's a principal investigator at the Chris Honey Baragwanath Hospital. And we're talking all things COVID-19. If you have any questions whatsoever, this is the time for you to call. If you have um, a voice note that you want to send through with whatever concerns, please do that now. What we are hearing, there is a briefing happening now in Gauteng, for instance, on the COVID-19 updates. And they're saying, we in Gauteng have hit the eye of the storm. I mean, that is scary. So any any concerns whatsoever, whether you've had somebody that has passed that you know and you were confused about symptoms, any questions, no question is a silly question. 0891-104-207. Dr. Kun, thank you so much for joining us. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. You're welcome. Thank you so much for making the time to talk to us, Dr. Kun. Can we start with with the, the new concerns around swine flu? Uh, is there anything for us to worry about? Reports are saying that at this moment in South Africa, we shouldn't be worrying about that. Is is that accurate? Look, swine flu, um, it might be seasonal flu. It, it, it's also circulating. And um, we are probably going, we're seeing a delay in the start of the flu season due to the effect of the lockdown, um, which we had earlier. And um, so, yeah, definitely we're going to be having a mixture of and the surgery infection coming through. Not everybody with sick with flu symptoms is going to be having COVID. And um, so swine flu is definitely something to be concerned about. Yes. Um, but the same rules apply for influenza that apply for COVID-19 in terms of protecting yourself. If you're going to be adhering to the non-pharmaceutical interventions that, that should assist you, and um, if you were one of the lucky people who got against flu, you would be protected against swine flu because that's part of the, the vaccine. Dr- but I know we did have a shortage of vaccine in the country, so possibly a lot of people did not receive it. Dr. Kun, um, should there be, you know, I know that you're saying we should be concerned as usual, but is does this bring with it diff- more different complications and maybe added complications to dealing with COVID-19? I know it may be a silly question. It, well, it, no, it's not a clear question. It surely does, because this is also going to impact our healthcare system and the availability of our healthcare system, um, which can be overwhelmed now with all these simultaneous infections. And, and it's probably possible that we can get co-infected with COVID-19 as well as swine flu, um, which we wouldn't know if, if we were tested. But yes. Um, it's something we don't understand completely because this is uncharted waters for us as well, but that is something to be concerned about. Let's take those calls. As I said, we open the line. Sebastian, you're calling from Cape Town. Thank you so much for calling, Sebastian. Good afternoon. Yes, good afternoon to you and your guest. My question is as follows. Um, are we seeing in South Africa cases of people who are supposedly recovered but uh, are actually not re- fully recovered? I've seen press reports from Israel that um, people who've had COVID and uh, are now free of the virus have not fully recovered. They've um, had ongoing fatigue, not being able to work properly, uh, phantom pains, uh, other severe symptoms uh, ongoingly, even though they're supposedly free from the virus. So does the virus 
has ongoing, have ongoing knock-on effects in some people, which could be very serious. And just before I sign off, mm. uh, could you please do a program with the post office to find out why yes. mail is not being delivered into the PO boxes, even if they can't do street yes. deliveries, because it's not happening in my area of Cape Town. Yes, Sebastian, I promise you we will. In fact, there was another request yesterday, similar to uh, what you're asking with, with regards to the post office. So I promise you we'll get to it. Thank you very much. I will. I promise you we will. Thank you. All right. Uh, doctor, did you get the previous question, the, the first question he had? Yes, yes, I did. So, yes, surely uh, we, we are learning about it by day, so I can't actually listen. how long somebody is going to be sick. And mm. it's also, it depends on individuals. Um, the data we currently have shows that um, your chances of shedding actual virus that can infect another person mm-hmm. is markedly reduced after eight. 14 days and so by then you're not such a big risk to spread the disease but surely you cannot feel well anymore and that is also going to be dependent on your underlying um, comorbid factors which you might be having so I think the people who have been infected with COVID are the best ones to tell us what they are experiencing and how long it lasts that that line, uh, Dr. Kuhn, is not great. What we're going to do is just, I'm going to ask if we put you on hold and try and sort it out and then try and get you on a better line. Keep dialing in as we try and get a better line and we'll take more of your questions after this. You're listening to Pimelo Mutine on SAFM. My guest is Dr. Antoinette Kuhn, a principal investigator of COVID-19. And she is at the Chris Hani, Barag- uh, Chris Hani, what used to be the Baragwanath Hospital. And we're really talking all things COVID-19. And the lines are open, 891 uh, Dr. Kuhn, can you just help us with people? There are a lot of people coming through who are saying the symptoms. Um, I'm told, and, and I'm, I want to phrase it so that you hear what the narrative is there. People are saying... They say I have COVID-19, but I don't have the symptoms. So a lot of that coming through. Um, is that a concern to you? So what we know is that 80% of people who carry this virus actually have no symptoms. Um, this is a very diverse um, virus. Mm. And then the common symptoms, I mean, most people are aware of the common symptoms, but it's not just symptoms, which would be your cough and your fever and your sore throat, it's also now including nausea and vomiting and diarrhea, mm. which is not something you would really expect um, if you are having influenza. So I can appreciate the fact that people think they are not infected because they don't have any of the symptoms, um, but we're, we're seeing that. That's why this is so dangerous in terms of spreading the virus, because we are oblivious that you are carrying it mm. and you're living your life as normal and in the process you are infecting other people. There is a talk of backache. Is that something you see in common? A talk of, sorry? Backache. Back, backache. Backache. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, so the general muscle aches and pain and fatigue are part of the symptoms. So surely backache can be associated with that. Yes, when you have influenza, your entire body, including your back, is aching. Not really just an isolated backache, though. It's more of a general feeling um, of myalgia. All right. Mrs. Kirsten, you're calling from KZN. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Pumara. Thank you so much for the 
splendid show thanks to your guests. I thank uh, all the female presenters there. You're really <laughs> dearie. I really tell you, I'm so blessed to be listened to you. Anyway, Pumela, let me rush through. Yes. Uh, Pumela, just this week somebody uh, sent me a message saying that through the toilets we can be affected. Mm-hmm. I don't know how far that's true. And another thing I want to ask a doctor, I help out in a rehab center. Mm-hmm. How long when an inmate come, 14 days, we, we isolate them for 14 days. Is that okay enough? Would, uh, they don't show any signs and symptoms. Mm. Uh, they do the COVID uh, screening and they are clear. Yeah. So I don't know. I'll listen on the phone. Thanks, Mrs. Kirsten. So that that, that issue comes back again around um, the symptoms that are not presenting themselves because just because somebody doesn't have the symptoms, if you're saying 80% of the patients who test positive are not going to present symptoms, then it means that we really are running the risk of having this infection just spread and us not being able to contain it because there are people walking around us that, that don't seem sick, they don't feel sick, and are not going to get, get help. Exactly. That's what we're currently seeing, is the numbers just multiplying today. Um, with regards so, to Mrs. Kirsten's question around the toilet, I suppose it would refer to the surface area thing. It doesn't really matter which surface it is, any area, it is transferable. Yes, so... So like I said, diarrhea is now one of the known symptoms of the virus. And um, shedding of the virus can definitely happen in the pool. So you will need to adhere to very strict hygiene in this instance as well. If you're just going to wash your hands properly, you will not be at, at risk of contracting the virus through the toilet. So, but you will have to be careful. And then in response to the isolation, yes, 14 days is sufficient to isolate somebody um, who are in contact with, with anyone. We are actually starting, based on the advice we're receiving from the CDC, we are cutting that down to eight days. And yes. um, just in our sitting in healthcare, um, but to the general public, it's possible 14 days with be better isolate yourself. Malvern, you're calling from the Eastern Cape. Good afternoon. Mm-hmm. Yes, good afternoon to SAFM and all listeners. How are you? We well. Thanks for calling, Melvin. Uh, thank you. And I'm also greeting the doctor that she has. Yes. My think... question is... Oh, hello? Yes, her line is quite faint. I don't know if you... you let's try and see if she can, you can hear her. Let, let, let's give her a chance. Uh, Dr. Kuhn, can, can you just maybe say hello to Melvin? Yes, I can hear you. Can, can you hear? Can you hear, Doctor Kuhn? Yes, hear. Thank you. All right, good. Yes, yes, indeed. Loud and clear. Yes. Uh, my question today is that I read somewhere, and I just want to make sure yes. that uh, I got the correct information mm-hmm. that the tests that we are being tested, uh, uh, um, the, the the COVID nineteen test. Yes. Is it true that um, the test itself cannot distinguish between a common flu, influenza, Ebola, etc. But the, the results will come back saying it's COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Okay. Dr. Kun? Yes, don't you think I didn't clearly hear the test cannot distinguish between COVID-19 and, and Ebola and the common flu. It just, yeah. That, no, that we've is, lost, that, we've that lost him. false information All which right. you have read. Yes, it says can very clearly distinguish the genetic, we do what we call a PCR reaction, which okay. looks at the genetic material of the coronavirus. We've lost him. I I hope he can hear you. Um, We'll reiterate the message just to say that, no, so the test is able to distinguish the difference between swine flu, common flu, and uh, COVID-19. 
Yes. All right. William from the Free State, good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon, Pamela. Yes. My question is regarding a uh, vaccine. Yes. You know, uh, maybe I might, I might have missed it. You know, I want to find out from the doctor. Sure. You know, AIDS, HIV and AIDS was, came to our shores in 1981. Mm-hmm. But all these years they were trying to develop a, a vaccine for HIV AIDS. Yes. But if, if I'm not mistaken, I think last year I heard over the radio that uh, it was a dismal failure or not that development. It, it was not a success. So I'm not sure if I'm correct with that. Mm-hmm. So, but the question is that with the, I hear people talking about the the vaccine for coronavirus, mm-hmm. and they're talking they say you no, know, it might be ready within 18 to 24 months. Mm. But if it took so much time to develop mm. a vaccine for 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 HIV/AIDS, but the outcome is that this one is possible that it can be done within within uh, 24 months, and yet HIV AIDS took about many years, many years. Okay, let's just allow uh, Dr. Kun to respond. Dr. Kun? Yes, that's actually a very good question. So when you look at the HIV virus and some of the other illnesses that are struggling to develop a vaccine, those viruses are a lot more clever than the coronavirus in the sense that they adapt um, they, they mutate so that they, they look different um, all the time, which is what's making it so different, so difficult to produce a vaccine. For coronavirus, what we've seen so far is there has been very, very little mutation in terms of the genetic material of the vaccine, which is helping us in terms of vaccine development, because you know what you are working with, and you know what you're working with today is still going to be the virus that you're going to have circulating and so, so just on the process in general for vaccines, I mean, this is usually a, a decade long, even longer process to, to develop vaccines. So we're really being optimistic in terms of um, looking at 18 to 24 months to have a vaccine available. So one would say, I mean, it's it's just being treated almost with with the urgency that it requires because exactly. it's, a, it's a global exactly. pandemic, so all efforts are there. But I suppose also one would say that similar to the common flu vaccine, that we've we've come to produce that vaccine quite quickly, haven't we? Yes, we have. Um, but the, the demand for this vaccine is now so overwhelming. Yeah. The entire world is going to have it. So what is actually happening, we're currently taking one of the vaccines, which is from the University of Oxford, which is just one of the vaccines that's being tested. Um, and I already started producing millions of doses of the vaccine at a risk for the pharmaceutical companies. Because if we find the vaccine works in a couple of months, we need it available immediately. We don't want to wait now for the entire flu season until we yeah. have it available. Yes, Dr. Antoinette Kuhn is my guest. She's a principal investigator of COVID-19 vaccine trial as well uh, at the Grishani uh, Hospital. And uh, we're talking COVID-19. We're just really getting an update and taking your questions about whatever it is that you're not sure of. Any questions around COVID-19, we'll take them. I see all your calls. I see all your, your WhatsApp notes as well and your messages. Uh, we'll get to them. Let's just go quickly to Uzi Lesaku for the latest in headlines at 1.30. Pimelo Mutine on SAFM.
We continue our conversation. This is SAFM and this is Life Happens. My name is Pimelo Mutine. We continue our conversation on COVID-19. Any questions that you have for Dr. Antoinette Kuhn, who's a principal investigator of the COVID-19 vaccine trial at Chris Honey Hospital. So the questions are coming through 891 uh, Justice, you're calling from Pulukwane. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Pimelo. How are you? We well. Thanks for calling, Justice. I'm very good. I'm going to be quick. I listened to the show at the beginning of this this week. I heard something about the filter system that were created basically in the aeroplane just to clean the air. <laughs> so my question is, uh, is it a fact or is it a myth this uh, pandemic? Is it an airborne type of a virus? Mm-hmm. But we accept to say, yes, it's an airborne or some, some amount. <laughs> Somehow it might look as if it's an airborne, but it is not an airborne. So why are we having the filters that clean the air to protect the virus to affect the Great human question. Being? Great question. Thanks, Justice. Dr. Kuhn, that, that's okay. a conversation everybody wants to tackle. <laughs> so, yes, uh, the COVID virus is not in true it is airborne like, like something that you mean and because it is too big. But when you see the droplets spread and they become smaller, and the latest um, research has shown that the virus is able to hang in the air for up to about 8 to 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. So it's not into isn't airborne because it's going to fall to the air, but there is that limited risk um, while it is busy falling to the air that it can be um, taken up in the filtration system, which is taking about airplanes for that matter, and then the condition that is spread around. So yes, um, there is a risk. But then the, the question around the aeroplanes, can you help us with that? So he's asking, this is obviously stemming from what we heard Minister Mbalula say about aeroplanes, 100% capacity, because they are able to, uh, I don't know, neutralize the virus? I'm not sure what term he used, but how much truth is there in that statement? No, I wasn't aware of that statement. I wouldn't make such a statement <laughs> to the public. Um, surely you're going to be I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, If the person next to you is infected, um, the surfaces are going to be infected. So the same rules apply in terms of washing your hands and wearing your mask to keep yourself safe. But, yeah. So, I mean, I don't want to put you in a corner because I think it's, you know, I don't want to, to, to go there. But I think what people are asking is, so then how safe is it to go into a flight that is filled to its capacity? It's probably not the, the best idea to have the high risk factors of getting to be I would not allow my parents to fly. So, so from what we know, nothing about flying and what the aeroplane is able to do can assist us in combating the virus while you're in the air. Look, I, I'm not an engineer. Maybe they have some very good... I know that the filtration system on the aeroplane is good, but if you're sitting next to somebody and they see those droplets are going to fall on you, so you are going to be at risk. So that's why we have social distancing. Yeah. And it is highly impossible to practice social distancing within uh, Even if you have the middle seat open, we are so closer than the um, 1.5 to 2 meter distance, which we currently regarding this space. 
So there is no difference between a taxi and an aeroplane? <laughs> okay. You said it's not me. Okay. No problem. Errol in Durban, hi. Well, now can you hear me? Yes, loud and clear. It's a wonderful uh, mm-hmm. line. Thank you. Okay, thanks. Um, the other day I cut my hand, you know. I didn't realize it. Uh, when I got, I got home, it was actually bleeding. Mm. And I had been in a supermarket, which was pretty crowded. Could the virus get you an open wound? Dr. Kuhn? Sorry, I couldn't hear what you were saying. So, so Errol is saying he cut his hand, but he wasn't aware that he had cut his hand, but he had been to a supermarket. Could the virus seep through a wound? No, no, this virus doesn't seep through wounds. This virus um, attacks the respiratory symptoms. So this virus will enter your body through your nose or your mouth or your eyes, but not through other routes. Very interesting. Thanks very much for that, Errol. Jimmy, thank you very much for calling. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jimmy from Hobokwan. I need a clarity on three questions. Yes. Number one, if a mask and sanitizer are helping, Mm-hmm. Why the numbers of the COVID number keep on increasing? That question number one. Number two, I want to check the relationship between COVID-19 and 5G. Because in places where the 5G towers are being installed or erected, the number is high. I'll give a typical example with countries like Italy. Now in South Africa, Johannesburg and Cape Town, the number is too high. Lastly, it takes 18 to 24 months to develop a vaccine, right? Because it moves from three processes. It starts from a mice. Before a mice, it can go to a human being. It goes to a, a, a red mice and pig, and then it lastly it will go to a human being. Now, my question is, why is the University of Oxford, which is funded by Bill Gates, $248 million, and that university, they've collaborated and say they've discovered or they're working on the vaccine, which might be available very soon. When soon? Thank you. Sorry, 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 Jimmy. What's your question around the vaccine in Oxford and Wits? What, what's your problem with that? My problem is the period itself. You wouldn't it's want a vaccine quickly? Than... No. You don't it want it quickly? Within we don't want it quickly. According to the medical experts, it takes 24, I mean, 18 months because it's a long process. Mm-hmm. It cannot be manufactured tomorrow. It must via certain processes and steps you, so, before it can be used on human beings. Now, the question is, why so quickly? No, but hold on. Don't leave quickly because we need to get I'm not leaving. From, I'm here. Don't leave. Uh, what I'm saying is that what what is it about the process that you don't think is, is followed that makes you uncomfortable with this vaccine trial? Uh, there's no wisdom in future. There's wisdom in the past. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Now, what is happening is with SARS-2, mm-hmm. that was discovered in 2002. A vaccine was discovered, not less than 18 months, I guess. Let me just, you, 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 know why, you know why I say don't leave, uh, uh, Jimmy, because I don't know no, if they've... Yes. Hope, I'm not going anywhere. I just want Dr. Kun to engage with you because I don't know if there was a definite, defined time for this to be ready. Just, Dr. Kun, was there a defined time that the vaccine will be ready by? No, definitely not. Yeah. Um, we're hoping that's our best case, but we, we cannot give any guarantees. 
So I think I can just keep the listener's mind straight in terms of obviously safety, that is one thing. So we are not compromising anybody's safety in this vaccine trial that we're doing. The same regulatory processes have been followed that we follow for every single vaccine trial. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just speed up a little bit due to the urgency of this vaccine, okay. of this virus. And then what we have on our trial, we have what we would call a DFNB. So that's a data safety monitoring board. It's a group of completely unrelated um, professionals and doctors and professors who look at the data which we gather from our study in terms of the safety aspect. So they would look at every single participant, every single event that was reported. They would know who received the vaccine and who received the vaccine. Placebo, and they would make an informed decision then um, if a certain side effect could be based on the vaccine or if it was not. And if we do see any safety risks, we would stop this study. We would not compromise anybody's safety. Does Jimmy, does it satisfy you? Are you comfortable with that? As long as uh, people's lives are not going to be uh, compromised. Mm. But our why definitely not. That's also why for a study there is there's rules. You cannot just join the study. We need to know beforehand that you are eligible. So there's certain criteria that we look at. We make sure you are relatively healthy for now. We do blood test to screening that you are healthy as well. We do not just include anybody on a vaccine trial. It's very strictly regulated. Jimmy? Okay, we've, we've, we've lost him. Dr. Kuhn, thank you so much. Thank you very, very much. We'll have this conversation again soon. Dr. Antoinette Kuhn is a principal investigator at the Chris Hani Hospital.